Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Corinthians chapter number 2, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and uh, I want to begin reading there with verse 6, something that I feel so strong on my heart here this morning, and uh, I, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to help us today. How many needs help from the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter number Two and verse six, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nod. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Does anybody love him today? But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. In other words, there's just a whole lot to unpack here in this scripture. But if I could just make mention of this in verse 10, it talks about the deep things of God. There's some things that cannot be seen on the surface. Some things that cannot be seen by just simply looking at the exterior of something. But you've got to come inside. And that's really the way it is in living for God. You've got to come on in to the presence of God. You've got to enter in to the glory of the Lord. You've got to allow the uh, presence of God to begin a process in you, to opening up your eyes so that you can see all of the glory and all of the good things that God has in store for you. I... Um, many years ago, used this subject title, but I couldn't get away from it here this morning as I considered this text, and I, this is not the same message at all, but this is the title that I want to use, Some Things Only a Savior Can See. Some Things Only a Savior Can See. Would you lift up your voice once again with me, and let's pray together that the Lord would help us. Uh, His Spirit would speak to us. His work would be done within us. God, we're praying, Lord, for complete surrender here this morning, God, in this house, that we could be yielded to you and surrender to you and open to you and whatever it is that you desire to do, the work, God, that you desire to achieve. I pray, God, that you would move upon us and help us, God, and speak to us in this place. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Hey, you know there's power in that name. 
There's liberty in that name. There's authority in that name. Somebody say it again. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I do not think that it is at all coincidental that Jesus' ministry was launched from a carpenter's shop. In Mark chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, And many hearing him were astonished. In other words, they were totally shocked, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? In other words, where did he get this from? We know where he came from. We understand that he's from Nazareth. We understand that he's a peasant. We understand that there's very few good things that come from Nazareth. We also understand that his raising was not among the aristocracy of this area, but he is a mere carpenter and was raised in a carpenter's shop. That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter? The question was asked. They were accustomed to seeing him do wondrous works with wood, but they had no idea that he could do wonders with mankind. They had no idea that he had the ability and the power to shape things out of a person's soul that is yielded to him. A spirit that is submitted to him, how that he could transform that individual into something of worth and something of value. And so they said such mighty works are wrought by his hands. And there's the question mark there. How are these things that such mighty works, we we know, we're familiar with this person, or at least we think we know him, and there's such mighty works that are wrought by his hands. We have seen the physical works of his hands We've seen these hands that are able to swing a hammer, that are able to drive a nail, that are able to saw a board, that are able to make measurements so that he can build things. But they did not realize that these hands, those same hands that built other things, was able and had the power to heal, had the power uh, to bring back life, that had the power to transform that had the power to not create physical things, not only create physical things, but also the power to create in man a clean heart. Uh, Had the power to deliver. Had the power to set free. And he is not only able to build furniture, tables, chairs, not only able to erect walls, not only able uh, to build shelves, not only able to build tools, yokes, plows, carts, whatever the need is, but he is also able to build lives. He is able to build better homes. He's able to build better marriages. He's able to build better relationships. In Luke chapter 2 in verse 51 and 52, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, speaking of him going with his parents. This is not long after his birth and was subject unto them. 
But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And while he was there, the scripture goes on in verse 52 and says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. In other words, he increased and matured as time went on. He began to grow. And he began to grow as a man. I think sometimes as much as we realize that he was all God, he was God manifest in the flesh. We also have to be reminded sometimes that he was a physical man that lived in this earth and was faced with some of the very same things that you and I are faced with. I I think of him in that carpenter's shop. And any of you men that ever, while driving a nail, has ever missed the head of the nail and hit your thumb, you know that Jesus experienced that same pain at some point or another. If you've ever... If you've ever worked in a carpenter's shop and, and, and by working with the wood received a splinter in your hand or finger, then you know that there was the possibility that Jesus experienced those same things. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he was in all points tempted like as we are. And so we understand from that that it was a man that was faced with some of the very same challenges the very same ordeals that we have to cope with and make it through in life, Jesus also faced them. In all the different stages of life, the Bible said he increased or he grew and he became into the stature of a man in favor with God and with man. I think that's a very important thing. It's one thing to have the favor of God. And I think it's being illustrated to us here through the fleshly illustration of the manifestation of God, Jesus Christ, that it's important that we, when we have the favor and the anointing of God, that we also work to have the favor of man or that the favor of God would bring us into the favor of man. I believe that God is able to help us as apostolics uh, to have favor, to reach people and to help people and minister to people to pray for the sick and see them recover. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. That's not just for preachers, that's for believers. That's not just for the ministry, that's not just for men of the cloth. That's for everybody that believes and has the power of the Holy Ghost working in their lives. You need to be a minister. I can't hear you this morning. You need to be a minister. You too can pray and see miracles. You too can pray and see God's work fulfilled. You too can see God use you for great things happening in your life. You believe that God is able to do that through you. Praise the Lord. And so we understand that he grew in favor with God and man. And this all began in a carpenter shop. Jesus learned some valuable lessons there. He learned how to look at lumber and see more than just a splintered board. He learned how to look at a log and see more than just rough-hewn wood that was there. But he saw the raw material for something that could be created, that would be appreciated, that would bring value, that would also add to his house and to his family. He looked beyond the piece of lumber, and he saw what it could become. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 19 says, 
when Jesus was calling his disciples. He, he must have looked beyond the exterior, the garments that they were dressed in, uh, maybe their appearance, and perhaps even the way that they spoke. And he said, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You have worked throughout your life to become proficient at fishing uh, for natural natural fish. You have learned throughout your life the ways of the seas, the current. You've learned what depth to fish in at what season and what time. You've learned uh, the different processes and all that uh, pertains to that. You've learned how to row a boat out to the right area and to be successful and make your living as a fisherman of these natural things. But I want to make you a fisher. I want you to become, and I like that word, become. You, you have potential. You're not there yet, but I want you to become. I'm going to make you. And when you make something, that means to apply a pressure to and, and to form. And that means to create. And it means to manufacture. That means some energy is going to go into it. That means there has to be submission of the raw materials that are used. And, and uh, there's some work uh, that is going to take place and a process that is going to take place. But if uh, that raw material can become uh, uh, yielded to the hands of a carpenter or a, a person that works with metal, a silversmith or maybe a blacksmith or whatever the case may be, then it can become something of value. It can become something that can be used, a tool. It can become an instrument, whatever it may be. And he said to these fishermen who no doubt were rough men, callous men, salty men, foul-mouthed, and uh, we know that this particular occupation, no doubt uh, they were smelly and they didn't look very good when he found them on the seashore but Jesus saw what they could become and I am so thankful when it comes to you and I that he looks beyond the exterior when he looks into this room this morning into this sanctuary today he looks beyond just what is physically sitting here on these pews and when he considers uh, men and women he looks beyond uh, perhaps uh, everything that they have been up until this point. He looks beyond their past and perhaps even their reputation and he sees what they can become. If only I can get them to an altar where they'll submit themselves to the hands of God, where they would open up their hearts and yield themselves to me and let me have my way in their life. There's a miracle that can transpire. There's a transformation that can take place. I can make something out of them of value. 
I'm telling you, everybody in this place has a value in the kingdom of God. Everybody in this place, he purchased you, the Bible says, with a price. He purchased the raw materials, just like a carpenter goes down to the lumber yard and purchases the material. It isn't what it's going to become, but he said, out of these things, I'm going to build. Out of these things, I'm going to make something of value. Out of these things, if you'll just give me time, if they'll just submit to the process, I'm going to make something great out of it. I'm going to tell somebody in this place, right now, all you need to do is yield yourself to the hand of God and allow Him to work in your life so that you may become what He wants you to become. Oh, let's lift up our hands and let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. It even appears as though he, he not only looks beyond, but he has to overlook in his grace and his mercy. He has to overlook things as they are at the present. I think about these disciples, all 12 of them had their distinct challenges. I mean, in this group, and I will not name them all or deal with them all, but I want to deal with some characteristics that pertain to all of them. These men were lacking in so many areas of their life. In fact, they lacked in spiritual understanding. They were slow to hear and even slower to understand at times. They were at various times thick and dull, dumb and blind. And you say, well, I, I didn't know those words were there. Well, these words are terms that are the equivalent are used to describe them in the New Testament. So how did Jesus remedy this lack of spiritual understanding? How did he overcome it in the lives of these people? I'll tell you what he did. He just continued to teach them and to instruct them. He taught them all the way up to his ascension, even through uh, the period when he was in the garden, uh, all the way up through the crucifixion, and then after his resurrection for those 40 days that he remained here on the earth. He is still instructing them. We find evidence of that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, he's still trying to get it through to them. He's still trying to open up their understanding to some things. He's still trying to teach them and instruct them in some areas. I'm going to tell you, as long as you're living on terra firma, as long as you're walking in this world, we need to always allow the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God to instruct us. We need to have open ears to receive the instruction that God would give us because none of us have arrived. None of us have already obtained. None of us have already heard those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. And until we do, we're going to have to hear the Word of God. We're going to have to be instructed in the Word of God. 
We're going to have to receive lessons from him. And I want him to continue to teach me. And it's not only through the preaching. That's one way that he teaches us. And it's not only through the instruction that we receive at the pulpit. But it's also the instruction that the Spirit tries to guide us in and direct us in in our daily lives. How many has ever been taught a lesson by God? Oh, come on, you, you guys look so sanctimonious out there, but I just know better. I know that there's people in this place uh, that God wanted to increase your faith, and the only way that he could increase your faith is to allow you to walk through a problem. The only way that he could allow you to get to the point that your faith could mature because faith that is not tested, faith that is not went through a trial. The Bible said that our faith is increased by the trial of our faith and it's built up through praying in the Holy Ghost. Is that what the Bible says? Amen. So those of you that want your faith increased, be careful of what you pray for because you're praying that God would give you a problem so that you could use your faith so that it may become stronger. Amen. Uh, just like the, the bodybuilder goes down to the, the gym and he lifts weights and he increases those weights. Uh, I'm going to tell you with each difficulty and each challenge that you make it through and graduate through and you pass, uh, then when you get to the other side of that, there may be something that is a little bit more than that that is coming down the pike because God is trying to reveal to you His power and His glory and the only way that He can increase your faith so that you can believe Him for those things is that you be faced with something that causes your faith to have to become engaged, that has to be used, that has to be stretched. Come on, sir. You'll never walk on the water unless there's a storm. Oh, you'll never, you'll never find out he's a healer unless there's a sickness. You'll never know him as a provider unless you've reached the end of your road. Amen. As long as you're able to do it on your own, you'll never have to trust him in that way. But God, what you're trying to teach me here is that if I have faith in you, then you are able to give me the miracle. Then you are able to perform the work in my life that I need you to do. Come on, let's give praise to Him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give praise to Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So He just kept teaching them. And there was several teachable moments. And their understanding was enlightened with each one of them. There was times they didn't understand why Jesus would do what he did and act the way that he acted and respond to things the way that he responded. But these were teachable moments for them. These same men, not only did they lack in spiritual understanding, but they also lacked where it came to humility. And they were self-absorbed, self-centered, and proud. They argued with one another. There's evidence of this. They argued with one another who would be the greatest in the new kingdom and where one another was going to be seated in the new kingdom. I'm going to have the chief seat. You've got to understand that was the paradigm that they had been uh, kind of raised up through, not only because of the influence of Roman rule, which was very political, but also even among the religious world of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, it was always about the chief seat. It was always about 
the authority that one had within the political structure of the so-called church. And Jesus went outside of that and said, I'm going to build an apostolic church that does not have these types of paradigms and systems within it. And people are not concerned with the chief seat and the chief position, but they're concerned about following me and learning from me and being more like me. These men were very proud. These men were, were, were trying to decipher what, what their position and trying to jockey their way to the top. And, and you might say, well, how did Jesus deal with this? I'll tell you how he dealt with it. He did it by example. The Bible says that after supper was over or after supper was ended that he girded himself with a towel and he went to his disciples that should have been washing his feet and he washed their feet. And when they tried to deny him the privilege of washing their feet, uh, he said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have part in my kingdom. And it was Simon Peter that said, not only my feet, but my head also. In other words, uh, uh, if this is what it takes, then, then, then God, if you're, you're trying to teach me a lesson here, then I want to submit myself and yield myself to the message, Lord. I don't want to be stubborn. Uh, you're trying to speak to me about something here. And I, I want to I tell somebody here today that you can't receive much from the kingdom of God without humility. In fact, you can't get the Holy Ghost without humility. People that struggle receiving the Holy Ghost, a lot of times it comes down to the ability to yield to God and submit themselves to God and open up their heart and say, God, I'm not so much concerned about my appearance right now. I'm not so much concerned about what others may think of me right now. I'm not so concerned about my status and position in life right now as I'm concerned about pleasing you and receiving from you and, and getting your approval in my life I need your spirit more than I need anything else I need the Holy Ghost and when you get to that point after you've repented of your sins it's easy to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost there's no struggle where there's repentance there's no struggle where there's self-denial what did Jesus say he said deny yourself before you can take up my cross you gotta deny yourself you'll never be able to bear this burden if you don't deny yourself. I'm going to tell you, living for God is always going to be too heavy for the person that cannot deny themselves, for the person that can't come to an altar and bend a knee and say, God, I rend myself before you. I surrender my heart to you. It'll always be a challenge to pick up the cross. It'll always be a challenge to take upon you the cross if you've got pride. Not only did they lack humility, they lacked faith. Amen. Multiple times in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, O ye of little faith. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 40, he says, How is it that you have no faith? He said, no faith. He didn't say you have just a little bit of faith. He said, in this particular instance, he said, it's not even that you just have a little faith. And not enough, it's that you don't even have any faith at all. You have no faith. How did Jesus remedy their lack of faith? 
I'll tell you what he did. He just continued to perform miracle after miracle deliberately in the presence of his disciples. It appears that most of the miracles of Jesus Christ were not done with him as the only person meeting the need or ministering to, to, to the individuals. As a matter of fact, that when, when specific miracles were performed, often he would invite certain ones to come with him so that they could witness with their eyes. He said, you're going to establish my church someday. You're going to build an apostolic church in the future. You may not even see that right now. You may not even have that vision right now. But I want you to see the miracle. I want you to see the dead raised. I want you to see this 12-year-old girl that is at Inspired. I want you to see her when I grab her by the hand. I want you to see color come back into her cheeks. I want you to see her get up from her bed. I want you to see her go with life in her body and be healed. I want you to recognize that I have the power to do that. I'll tell you the best thing that you can do for your doubts is keep coming to church. And the best thing for the church to do to overcome people's doubts is to be the church. When we come here, we ought not come here and be deadheaded. When we come here, we ought to exercise our faith. When we come here, this ought to be a church full of miracles. This ought to be a church that testifies that God is still a healer, that God is still a deliverer. If you don't believe it, look right over there. There's somebody that's been delivered from drugs. If you don't believe it, look right over there. There's somebody that's been healed of cancer. There's somebody that's received a miracle. There's somebody that God has set free. If you don't believe that God is able to change somebody, look at that person. They had a horrible reputation, but God got a hold of them and He redeemed them and saved them. I'll tell you the answer for the lack of faith is to keep coming and using what faith you've got and exercising what faith you've got and saying, God, I may be lacking all that I need, but I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to put out and spend what I've got. I'm going to believe you for great things. Oh, come on, let's give some praise to the Lord. Come on, let's really give some praise to the Lord right now. Come on, does anybody need a miracle in this place this morning? This is a good place to get a miracle. Amen. We've seen miracles here before. That's how I know that this is a good place to receive one. Need the Holy Ghost? It's a good place to get it right here this morning. I know because I've seen many people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in this room. And it's not the room. Amen. But it's what we come into, the presence of God, the Spirit of God moving in this house. Not only lack understanding, not only did they lack in their faith, but they lacked in their commitment at times. Yeah. At the very arrest of Jesus Christ, when he needed them and he needed someone to turn to, needed someone to rely on, somebody stand beside him. The Bible said in Mark 14 and 50, or 50 that they forsook him and fled. And Jesus 
he could have wrote them off. Jesus, he could have said, well, they're hopeless. After all of this, three and a half years of energy expended, three and a half years of working with them and them seeing miracles at my hand, them being a part of all of these wonderful works, them hearing my teaching and me expounding them through parables and through various methods of teaching the wonderful works of God and showing them and revealing when I needed them the most, they forsook me and fled. They ran away. How would, would Jesus handle that? Well, the only thing I can see is that he just kept coming back to them. And he kept, he kept dealing with them and kept trying to minister to them and kept trying to help them. The Bible tells us that when, when, these, when these people, these closest to him, were, were, were really ravaged with doubt and wavering in, in unbelief, that there was some women that came to the tomb to prepare the body. And, and instead of finding Jesus, uh, uh, the angel spoke to them and said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He has done what he told you he was going to do, that he was going to rise on the third day. And, and I want you to note what was told these ladies. Uh, said, Go tell uh, my disciples and Peter. Amen. There was that message. I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter that, uh, that uh, I am alive, that I am here, that I am whom I said I am, and I, I have done what I said I was going to do. I want you to go tell them that it's not hopeless. I want you to tell them that it's not over. I want you to reveal to them that, that, that there's no reason for them to doubt me any longer, that I've done exactly Exactly what I said I was going to do. Uh, he went to where they were. He went through the walls and the rooms so that they could touch him and so that they could feel him. That's what he did when people fled from him, when people tried to run from him, when, when people showed lack of commitment. Uh, he kept reaching for them. He kept trying to help them. He kept trying to minister to them. He went down to a seashore and he prepared some fish uh, and he called those disciples who were not having a good fishing experience he said come and eat come and dine come here I prepared for you something to eat he looked over at Simon Peter and said I know you've denied me I just want to hear you say it do you love me do you love me and he asked him three times and Simon Peter finally looked at him and said thou knowest you know that I love you God you know amen that sometimes I have weakness sometimes I do things that I didn't calculate doing. Sometimes I do things that I wonder when it's over with why I reacted and responded that way. But he kept reaching. He kept trying to help him. And so I'm reminded of that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 9. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. 
God's going to build a church with people that depend on him and learn how to trust him and put things in his hands and yield themselves to him and open up their hearts to him. You cannot look on the exterior. You cannot look on what you see on the outside and calculate and logically think about it and say, well, this is going to be the outcome. But just like the carpenter looks at a raw piece of material, a piece of lumber, and he sees ornate furniture, he sees trim, he sees cabinetry, he sees a building beautiful, erected, that is going to be valued and something that's going to be appreciated by a family and a home. That's what God sees when he looks down and he sees you and I in this room here this morning. He doesn't just see the exterior. He doesn't see the rough-hewn parts of our lives, but he looks beyond that. He looks beyond that. You know, in the process of building you know, you, you have unexpected things that come up, hidden things. Uh, Jesus was able to look into lumber and, and, and see the hidden thing that was there. That if I can ever get my, if I can only get my tools and, and work with this and, and I can saw this and, and, and I could take the lathe and I could smooth this rough edge out, uh, then I can make something of value here. But a lot of times, you can't see things that are deep down in the wood until you get there. And sometimes there's those unexpected knots and, and places of imperfection that is in the wood that is hard to work a lathe through. It's, it's hard to, uh, to work with and it's hard to fashion and it's hard to build around. But aren't you thankful that when God gets into the inner workings of our life and in the process, uh, He doesn't just toss us out and throw us aside and put us in the scrap heap and say, I'm going to move on to another piece of lumber. But even while He's working through the imperfections and even while He's working through these places of blemish in our lives, He says, if I could just keep working with this, this that looks like it's uncharacteristic, this here that looks crude and unworthy, this here that doesn't seem like uh, that there's any value in it'll make something beautiful if I could just keep working with it uh, if I could just keep uh, on in the process uh, if, if some way you'll just be patient uh, if some way if I, I could just get my hands on it uh, I can make something out of it uh, I'm going to tell you we got to stay on the potter's wheel while we're in the midst of the process of God making a vessel of honor out of us. we got to stay yielded to Him and submitted to Him throughout the process so that God can apply the pressure. Don't give up. Don't quit. But stay in His hands because as long as you're in His hands, you're never in danger of being cast out and thrown aside. He said, Jeremiah, I want to teach you some things. You go down to the potter's house. He said, I want to show and I want to reveal to you some things about my people as it pertains to me. And isn't it funny, throughout the book of Jeremiah, you see this over and over again. God used physical allegories to show this prophet things in the ways that he was dealing with his people. 
And this clay was on the potter's wheel. And the Bible said it was marred, and you read it, while it was in his hands. In other words, the imperfection wasn't necessarily seen when it was in the lump. But when you placed it on the wheel and you begin to work with it, that's when, when the pressure was applied. It didn't respond necessarily like it was supposed to or expected to. And sometimes when the pressures of life are applied to us that are providential, that are divine, that are a part of God's process, God is leading us through. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to worry if you're a child of God. God never leads you into something that he won't lead you through. He doesn't take you to a place that he will not sustain you in. He doesn't invite us into certain areas and say, well, I'm just going to leave you here and see how you work it out on your own. That's not how God works. Matter of fact, he said, I'll be with you even to the end. Amen. Over and over again, we see that. I'll stay with you through the process. It's us that loses faith. It's us that gives up. It's us that tries to climb down off the wheel. It's us that chooses to do differently. we got to stay in the hands of God. we got to stay and allow him to apply the pressure it need be in our lives so that he can make a vessel so that he can pour anointing into and he can be a bless it can be a blessing to his kingdom and it was marred while it was in his hands the normal response there's a lot of raw material there's a lot here just scrape this off start over There's a potter's field behind all potter's houses that is littered with marred vessels, incomplete projects, vessels that got to this point and didn't make it any further. Cast it out. Throw it out the back door. Start over. Go get on the shelf over there and pull down another piece of raw material and start over again. Something went wrong. That's not what the Bible said. I like this word that is there. It says, so, so, the potter made it again. I'm not going to throw it out. I know I've spent a lot of energy. I've spent a lot of time. I've, I've got a lot invested here. And it isn't cooperating. It isn't going like I intended it to. This is not a part of my plan. This is not really the way that it should be. I could scrape this old wheel off and I could start over again fresh and new. But that's not what he did. He said, so the potter made the vessel yet again. I'm going to tell you here this morning that God wants you to become what he first planned for you to come become. He, he wants you to become what he first originally dreamed of you becoming. And he desired and designed you to be. And the only way that you possibly can do that is to stay in his hands. You may not understand it right now in the moment. You may argue and fuss and wonder why things are happening as they are. You may not know why that you have to, to yield to such pressure and why it is that things are going on in my life as they are 
But if you'll let the potter make something out of you, when it's all said and done, it'll be a vessel of value. It'll be a vessel of honor. It'll be a vessel that can be used. A vessel that can contain the anointing. A vessel that is blessed in the kingdom of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? You can't just look at it in the midst of the process and say, well, it's not worthy. It can't happen. It won't be. But somebody needs to look beyond this moment and somehow grasp a hold of what God wants you to become and say, God, I know I'm not there yet, but God, I'm going to stay patiently in your hands until you make me what you want me to be. Lift your hands to the Lord and let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Let's reach out to Him right now. Hallelujah. The key is staying malleable. The key is staying pliable. The key is staying soft and sensitive to the potter's hands. The key staying attentive to his touch. The key, not allowing yourself to become hardened and not able to be malleable, not being able to, to withstand the pressure. As long as I keep my heart tender towards God, sensitive to the Spirit of God, there's always hope for me. There's always hope for me. But if you let bitterness come in and it hardens you, you know there's certain, there's certain chemicals that they can put in paint to make it dry sooner and quicker. There's little tricks that they use. And, and uh, same with, with pottery. They can, they can use some type of resin or chemical. They can put it in the, in the clay and it can cause it to harden sooner and and uh, that way it can speed up the process. I don't tell you, bitterness can be like a resin that comes into your spirit, can harden your heart. And, and offense can do that. And, 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 and you, can, you can allow some kind of hurt to get in there. And if it's not extracted and you don't deal with it and you don't get it out and you don't forgive it and you don't let God's blood cleanse it from you and wash it out of you, it becomes something that, 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 that is immalleable in the hands of God and marred in the hands of God. It becomes more than just an imperfection. It becomes more than something that could be worked around. But it becomes something that, that totally destroys any potential that takes away from any value that might be. I want to tell you it's not worth it my friend. It's only it's only as we stay on the wheel or at the altar if you will that God in His hands can form us and fashion us to be what we need to be. Don't let your heart become hardened the scripture says as in the day of provocation the promises of God were right 
right there before them and they let their heart get hardened so that they were never able to step in and the Bible said a whole generation passed away before they were led in the promised land I want to tell you I don't want to let any kind of spirit get in my spirit that would hinder me from entering in to the promises that God has for me does anybody want his promises today why don't you stretch your hand high stretch your hands high to him Oh, yield yourself. Come on, yield yourself to God. Yield yourself, amen, to the Spirit of God that is in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. God's wanting to heal some things. God's wanting to touch some folks. God's wanting to speak to some people. Hallelujah. God has been speaking to some people throughout this message this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Would you pray with me right now? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Why don't you yield to him, sir? Why don't you open up your heart to him, ma'am? Why don't you just let God have his way? Why don't you quit resisting and fighting it and just yield to it and surrender to it? Won't you open up your heart to him? He can do more in just a few moments than you can struggling against it in your entire life. You could try and fight and resist, but you'll get nowhere doing that. The only way that you could ever be happy and fulfilled and complete is to surrender your life unto God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I invite you to this altar if you want to be used of God. You won't. God to work in your life. You want God to touch you. You don't want God to give up on you. You don't want God to cast you out. You don't want God uh, uh, to quit working in your life or quit ministering to your life. Oh, but Jesus, I need your help today. I need your touch today. I need you to move upon me here this morning. I need you to work in my behalf here this morning. Come on, I'm telling you, the Savior sees potential in you. The Savior sees hope in you. The Savior sees something of value in you. Oh, the, the, the Savior's appraisal of you is much greater than what you realize. Oh, the worth is much greater than what you may realize today. There is hope. God wants to help us. God wants to strengthen us. As they begin to sing, I want you to reach out to heaven. I want you to call on Him. Come on, I want you to lift up your voice, church. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Please don't, don't withhold.